0: our series on uh, set free, that we are no longer slaves. We've been unpacking this good news uh, since Easter, that because of Jesus and what he's done on the cross, the fact that he is alive, that he is risen, we have this amazing news that we are no longer slaves, that we have been set free. Last week we talked about the reality that we are set free from sin, set free from the shame, and the guilt, the effects of sin, the ways that it separated us from God. Because of what Jesus has done, we are set free. And this week we begin this next step. So if we are set free from sin, then there's this next step that we're also set free from the way of this world. Uh, from the ways that the world tells us to live, the ways the world says, no, this is the good way, this is the best way to live. We are set free from that. And I'll explain some more of that. But first I gotta say, before I really started following Jesus, I was, I was a slave to the way of our world. I was totally suckered in. I totally bought into it. Especially one of the main things of our world right now is the the culture around us is materialism. And materialism, uh, kind of in its more technical sense, is that at first it's this idea that stuff matters, that the point of life is stuff. But also this other part of materialism is that the only thing that really matters is right now. You know, that future life, death, things unseen and unable to touch or prove, we don't know about that stuff, so let's just focus on right now. And I was totally suckered into that when I was younger. When I was in my 20s, I was a slave, but I wasn't just a slave. I was a high-performing slave. I I worked at a company. I got out of college. I worked at a company. I was traveling around the world. I was working in Europe and Asia and Australia, South America. I had paid off cars. I had saved in one year, I uh, saved $20,000 to buy a house. I was good at it. (laughs) And I thought that life was all about stuff. I remember actually I'd after I just bought a house and started thinking, okay, what's the next thing? What's my next big goal in life? Honestly, it was to buy a a car, a Porsche, (laughs) a convertible. That was like the extent of my goal. Like how small is that? It was all about stuff. It was all about working hard to get ahead. That's basically my plan was to work really hard, climb the corporate ladder so I could retire someday early and focus on me even more. I was totally suckered in. I was a slave and I didn't even know it. And that way of life, it was killing me. I didn't realize it at the time. But I see people who've lived that life, some of even some of my neighbors, people who bought into that, and I see the way they live now. And sure, they have lots of stuff. Big, beautiful places, all kinds of toys and stuff, and, and to me, I don't know, there still seems to be this emptiness. And I see some of them trying to fill up the emptiness with all sorts of things. Maybe more stuff, maybe more alcohol, Maybe more who knows what, but people trying to fill it up. This way of life was, I can see it now, the way I lived then, it was killing me. Not only that, but it actually, not only was it killing me, but actually ultimately led to death. All that stuff that I was accumulating and putting my hope and my my faith in, that stuff wasn't going to save me. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, probably none of you were as deeply suckered in as I was, but you still feel that pull, Right? I mean, the culture around us tells us that life is all about our stuff. It's all about the the size of the house we have or the the newness of the car we drive or how many toys we have in the garage or how much how many zeros are in our bank account at the end of the, um, how big our bank accounts are. (laughs) Sorry, they didn't come out right. Um, So we have this thing, this world is saying this is what life is about. And yet the Lord says, no, your best life, is not in the stuff. Your best life is actually in Jesus. And actually, Jesus once said, you know, whoever wants to save their life is actually going to lose it. Whoever wants to save our life by gathering a bunch of stuff is going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for Jesus and for the gospel, they're the ones who are going to gain it. They're the ones who are going to have more than they ever imagined. But we still feel this pull, right? <clears throat> we feel it on both sides. First of all, we feel that this inward self of us, this selfishness part of us, part of us that still remains. We feel that pull. You know, I really want that new car. Or, you know, this house is nice, but a bigger one would be a little bit better. Or, you know, I've, I know I've got enough bank account. I know I've got enough money to be secure as long as I can see, but maybe I could be just a little bit more comfortable. There's this part in us that draws us to that, that pulls on us. But then, not only that, but then there's this culture around us who's seen that they can make tons of money by playing to that. So, not only do we have this selfishness in us, but our culture around us says, you know, what? actually, your selfishness is good. Indulge it, right? I mean, I've been reading recently in the, you know, in the early 1900s after the kind of the Industrial Revolution had taken off and people had realized, you know, We are able now to build enough shoes for like This is just one example. To build shoes for people, like they will never need to buy shoes again. Not only have we learned how to manufacture stuff so well, we actually need to learn how to manufacture demand for the stuff that we build. We actually need to figure out how to use marketing and all these other things to to tell people that what you have isn't actually good enough. The pile of stuff you have isn't actually big enough. You need more. So it starts this whole new era in in our Western world where we are constantly bombarded with the things that you have aren't good enough, they aren't new enough, they aren't they don't have as many technical uh, bells and whistles as they should have. You need something more. So we live with this. It's in our culture. And so how do we navigate this new life, this reality? On the one hand, that we've been set free from the way of our world. How do we hold on to that and how do we navigate our culture around us that says, no, actually, you're not really as happy as you could be if you had just a little bit more stuff? How do we navigate that? How do we hold on to the reality that we are no longer slaves, that we have been set free from the way of our world? How do we hold on to that and actually live it in our lives? If you would, open up your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. If it's easier, I also have it in the bulletin here. It's just on this white sheet. So this is Paul, uh, one of the early Christian pastors. He's writing to a church in Rome. And so this is what he says to this church. He says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sin a sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Now this is the part I want us to focus on for this morning. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live according, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man or person is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God, does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, and he's talking to the church, and I believe he's talking to not only the Roman church, but even us, the church. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth a comparing, or worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So this morning we're going to focus in on, on verses 5 to 14. And just to, to make the connection here, see, that I, each week or for the last, or last week and, and this week and in our next um, um, sermon on this series, we're just focusing on that one text. And that's actually one argument or one point that Paul is trying to make. And so last week we talked about Paul saying that you've been set free from sin. That was verses 1 through 4, and that was through Jesus' cross, through his crucifixion and his resurrection, what he's done. We've been set free from sin. So Paul is now making the next step. Because you've been set free from sin, don't live like the world around you anymore. And in the NIV, it says sin nature or your sinful nature. And actually in Greek, it actually just says flesh. And so he says, don't live according to the flesh anymore. Don't live according to the sinful nature anymore. Actually live according to the spirit. Because you are no longer slaves to sin, you are no longer slaves to the way of this world either. So don't live like it. So Paul is breaking this down into two categories. I don't know if you heard it as we read it, but there's basically two categories. There's the category of the flesh or the sinful nature, and there's the category of the spirit. The category of the flesh. You know, what does Paul mean by that? A category of sinful nature. What does he mean there? I think he's getting at a few different things. It's kind of a broad <laughs> concept, but but if I can just say that, kind of essentially, our selfish nature and the selfish nature of the culture around us that not only says your sinfulness or your your selfishness is good, but actually bless you in it. Be even more selfish. Be even more about your own stuff. So our culture, so this is the way of this world, this sinful nature. And and I see how these connections um, and how it works out. See, our culture is trying to get us to think, Um, our culture is working on us, constantly bombarding us. And there's this social contract, and that's, anyways, this this idea that everybody sort of agreed that if I focus on my stuff and getting as much for me, and you focus on getting as much for you, and we just make sure that we don't interrupt each other, then everything's fine. And our culture around us tries to tell us that that's normal. It tries to tell us that it's normal for you to exalt yourself. To be mostly about yourself. And I know we try to, you know, kind of round it off, try to smooth it out a little bit by saying, but it's good to give to other people, but it's only if it's convenient, right? (laughs) Only if you've got a little bit of extra and it's not going to really cut into, you know, your, your, your budget or the, the money you have set aside for all your stuff, then it's okay to, you know, to help people a bit. But ultimately, our culture lives with this thought or this reality that everything's about me. And everything can be about you just as long as it doesn't affect me. But The way of the Spirit is saying this selfishness doesn't work. The way of the Spirit, actually, uh, when we live according to the Spirit, the Spirit not only guides us, shows us how to live, but the Spirit also actually empowers us, enables us to actually follow through with it. This is the amazing part of it, that the Holy Spirit shows us how to live differently. And then gives us the power to do it. So Paul is essentially saying there's two, there's two options here. On the one hand, you can live according to the flesh, according to our sinful nature, according to the way the culture says, you know, it's normal for you to be selfish. Or you can live according to the Spirit. That will guide us and empower us. That ultimately leads to life. Essentially, it comes down to who will we follow? Which way will we live? Will we follow the way of the flesh or the sinful nature, or will we follow the way of the Holy Spirit? Because if we follow the way of the the flesh, it ultimately leads to death. Because ultimately it says that love yourself above everything else. I mean, I know it would never say that outright, but ultimately that's what it's saying. Love yourself above everything else, even above God. Yourself is more important. You know, if it comes down to something between you and God, or even you and other people, I mean, our culture doesn't really even talk too much about God, as Jill was pointing out earlier. But if it comes down between you and somebody else, like, choose you. That, that's you got to take care of yourself, right? That's the way our culture talks. It's the way the world around us talks. Or will we follow the Holy Spirit? Will we ho- follow the Holy Spirit and realize that we are no longer slaves? We've been set free not only from sin but also from the way of the world. Now this has implications in every aspect of life, but there's just two that I wanted to talk about. One is, is for example, sexuality. For example, God has given us sex and sexuality as a good gift in marriage, a place of to a place for intimacy and joy and pleasure of creating family within a faithful marriage. Like God made it good in that place. But our culture takes something like sex or sexuality and has twisted it. And has turned it into a commodity that people sell on the street. Or has turned it into an addiction that people put on the internet. Our culture has taken this good gift that was between a man and a wife, or between a man and, and, and his wife, or a husband and wife, has taken this good gift and twisted it around. So it becomes this uh, erotic way of extracting pleasure from the world. And all the while, our culture says that, no, this is, you know, sleep with whoever you want. You'll be fulfilled and you'll find uh, meaning and it will be good. And then you, people live that for a while. And they talk about the brokenness of their heart. Or the way that it's ruined or the abuse that they've experienced. Our culture has taken something like sex and turned it into something horrible. That's the way of our world. And it says, no, 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 actually it's good. Trust us. And yet, when you hear the stories of it, usually the aftermath. You know, people who've lived that way for a while they say it was. I realize, I realize now how destructive it was. That's just sex and sexuality. Take it like for instance stuff. Like I believe God is desires us to have to be richly blessed, to bless us, to provide for us. Not just so that we can hoard it all to ourselves and stockpile it in our storage barn, but so that we can give it and share it with others. But our culture takes that and it twists it. It says, no, your stuff is about you. That's how we measure how successful you've been. That's how we measure how happy you are. And actually, our culture says, you know, if you can just get more stuff, you'll be happier. And better if it's actually newer stuff. Even if you've got old stuff, like that's okay, but, you know, if you can make it new stuff, that's even better. That's how you'll be happy. That will bring meaning and fulfillment to you. I mean, we're, we're conditioned since we were kids. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my kids don't have this experience thankfully, but I remember watching cartoons when I was a kid. And you watch ten minutes of cartoon, and then there'd be a five-minute commercial about everything. That, as a kid, you're supposed to have right. And if you had the old one, that wasn't good enough. You needed the new. I see how my sons still get a taste of it. You know, they get a catalog, and they just pour over it. Especially Corbin, just pours over it for days. Dad, I need this and this and this and this. I mean, nobody taught him that. I try like, Tracy and I try like crazy, like, to teach him the opposite of that. But our culture keeps pressing it on us. Taking advantage of our selfish, our sinful nature. So not only is our stuff, but, I mean, you think about, like, what our culture is saying, but also then I start thinking about our brothers and sisters. Um, people who live halfway around the world from us. Uh, who have hardly anything. Or what about people even in our own congregation, people who live here, who are just barely getting by? It's interesting because our world somehow it gets broken. Because you would think the more that we have, the more willing we'd be able to, share the more willing we would be to share, to give others, to bless others. I think that's what God inti- intends is that he blesses us with lots of stuff so that we can bless others, so that we can share a lot, so that the more we make, the more we share. Actually, you know what? Actually, they've proven it. Statistically, it's the opposite. Isn't that crazy? Statistically, they've shown that people, Christian or not, the more money you make, the less you give, disproportionately. There's something broken, Right? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Like, the more we have, the more we share. So these are just some of the ways that the world around us holds us as slaves. Tells us that, you know, the world's idea of sexuality, that's what's good. Lots of partners, do whatever you want. Like, it's all good, right? It's not. Living by the Spirit, we know it's not good. The world around us tells us, you know, stuff, you need more things. Put your hope in all the stuff you can buy. Work harder to get further and further ahead. That's when you'll actually be happy. But it's not. We see it. I mean, people around us, friends around us who have all kinds of stuff and they're still not happy. It comes down to who will we follow? Will we follow the way of our flesh, our sinful nature, or will we follow the Holy Spirit? But here's the good news. This is the point that Paul makes. You have been set free. You have been set free from the way of this world, from our sinful nature that keeps telling us and drawing us away. But also, you've been set free from the lies of the culture around us, who says, who tries to make a make a buck on us by telling us, "No, all these things are good," and they're not. You've been set free. Listen to what Paul says <clears throat> um, at verse nine. He says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, not by the flesh, not by the way of the world, but by the Spirit. This is him making an identity statement. This is your identity in Christ. Because of Jesus and what he's done, you are no longer slaves. You belong to the Spirit now. You have this new identity. You have this new sense of normal. Normal isn't anymore uh, gathering up all your stuff and putting all your hope in how big your bank account is. That's not normal anymore. Normal is Jesus, is following him, is receiving in the ways that he's blessed us so that we can share and bless others. This morning, I have good news. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we are no longer slaves to the way of the world around us either. And that's the thing, we need to talk about it because we get it bombarded Everywhere. I mean, this is the only place where you hear that you can live a different way. That you don't have to, like, that sex and sexuality, the good place for it is within a marriage. I mean, where else do you hear that? No, usually you hear that, like, the totally opposite of that. No, marriage is for suckers, right? That's what our culture says. Where else can you hear that that the stuff you have is okay, but... Share with others that your hope is not in your stuff. Where else do you hear that? Definitely not on TV. Definitely not on the Internet. Nowhere where anybody else can make a buck at it. They're constantly telling us, no, your hope is in your stuff. That's how we value you. That's how you know how important you are or how successful you are in life is by how much stuff you have. We need to talk about it. Because if we don't, we can easily begin listening to the lies and living that way. Even though we mean to follow Jesus, We can get wrapped up in our stuff. We can get the wrong idea about sexuality. That's just two of them, let alone like how we work, our relationships, or other aspects of our lives. So this morning, it's good to hear, to be reminded that you have been set free. We are no longer slaves. We have been set free from the way of the world.